Is this is this us jumping into game gaming news? Is this how we let's segue well, let's use it? That's a segue. We're gonna segue <laughs> into it. Segue. About that was we're professionals. We're gonna <laughs> zip right in. <laughs> Hello, and thank you for joining us once again for the Guardian's MH Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Goku, and with me tonight, I have Joe. Hey. Nate. Hello. And Matt. Hey, hey. If you're joining us for the first time, Guardian's MH is a 501c3 nonprofit focused on promoting mental health awareness throughout the gaming community and being a first step in assisting individuals with gathering meaningful resources in a safe and inclusive atmosphere. Our podcast is another way to normalize talking about mental health and is a fusion of mental health topics and gaming. So tonight, I have the honor of welcoming our guest, the video game doc, Dr. Anthony Bean. How are you doing, Anthony? I'm doing fantastic. How's everyone else doing? Other than the heat, great. (laughs) melting melting <laughs> yeah before the show nate was mentioning that his office is what a boiler room now yeah it's 32 c uh 90 degrees my ac decided it wanted to give up the ghost today yeah. <laughs> and living in california is not the best of idea for your ac to be breaking so good time I, I might just melt away in this chair before your very eyes i mean you have flannel on the back of your your chair too that can't be good for your back <laughs> for show it's actually not flannel it's t-shirt material you sit just, on a throne of lies sir <laughs> but it looks so rustic <laughs> dr b thank you so much for being with us uh tonight uh we've had so much fun talking with you before uh the show and it was such an honor getting to meet you at pax east this past year the the last hurrah of pax is before everything with uh covid and no events and everything yep there's uh you signed a book to uh our clinical director dr williams right here with i am drinking best. a lot of maple syrup and i'm defending against mooses <laughs> that was the <laughs> best like sign to i've ever seen in a book and i'll tell you what when i told took a picture and told them about it and sent it to them I could tell how much joy it brought him. And I know when you wrote it, you were cracking up while you were writing it. So it's just, it was so much fun and uh, your books are great. And just thank you so much. You know, this is such an honor. Oh, thank you so much for, for supporting them and everything. It's, it's kind of what we're trying to do is support, uh, support as much as we can in the, our community, gaming community and, and any, anywhere else that we can work with mental health and, and helping basically anyone that we can. Right on. Yeah, we can yeah. definitely relate with that 100%. 100%. Some people might not know who you are and what you do. Uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and uh, you know, share with us uh, what you do? So, oh, not a problem. So, I, I am what they call a licensed depth, as in deep, not death. I work with death sometimes, but depth, as in deep, uh, psychologist. And so... What I, what I do here in, in Texas is I work with geeks, gamers, nerds, pretty much anyone that's on the spectrum that uh, plays video games, D&D, watches anime, reads manga, 
goes and helps out in lots of different areas of board games and everything like that to, to really help understand themselves through one of the characters they play, the games they choose to play, and also what can we learn these different lessons from. I'm also the executive director of uh, the Telos Project, which is a 501c3 down here in Fort Worth, Texas as well. So I know your guys is growing pains very, very well on, on everything. Um, we, we do a lot of psychological assessment therapy. Our main focus is autism and on the spectrum to, to do testing. We probably 80% of our tests are our testing batteries are actually autism batteries. And we're one of the few places in a about a hundred, 150 mile radius that takes pretty much everyone's insurance. And uh, mm. yeah, we, we pretty much fight for, for everyone. We have Spanish speaking clinicians. We have sliding scales. We have everything known to man to get people into to mental health, to see as, as to see the benefit of, of therapy and, uh, we can we can definitely say that we see massive change and uh, a lot a lot of good people with this uh, this type of model of what we we've done for is it's give it back to everyone make sure that we can survive on what we have but also basically just just do what we can for our communities around us I, it's I it can go on if you want <laughs> that's amazing do you have time to sleep I'm just curious. So there are nights I do get sleep, but generally okay. I function really well with about seven. Seven okay. hours is my, is my functionality. Okay. No, that's amazing. That, that Seven's that, a nice round, uh, round number. It's yeah. a lucky number. Yeah, it's a lucky number. <laughs> no, but that's, that's just amazing, everything that you do. And for me to hear that you accept every insurance, that's, yeah, a, that's, that's a, that, huge. That's a social worker's dream to hear somebody say that. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, great. I don't have to fight you. <laughs> Correct. Every, every insurance and a sliding scale. Right. Like, that's the yellow brick road. Like, that's That's amazing. the dream. To kind of give a give an idea of, like, everything that we, we do. We take uh, some insurances here that no one takes because, they one, they pay terrible. But that's right. fine because we... we that's why other insurances supplement and everything evens out in the end. Mm -hmm. But uh, even if someone was to, let's say with our sliding scale, go and get a self pay rate at somewhere else at a, like a neuropsychologist, someone and pay as pay out of their own pocket, they would still pay less with us and get the same amount, if not better report than if they went in a different place. And that's, that's our hope. That's our goal. And so we've, we've connected and ingrained ourselves very heavily in the community. And we're on like tons of different mental health panels for the, the city of Dallas and Fort Worth to just help basically flow everything as much as we can to a lot of the kids, a lot of, a lot of everything. Are you hiring? <laughs> so our so our we have ex, we have expanded so crazily fast like we started off in i started this nonprofit with my wife who's also a clinical psychologist mm. we started this in 2016 april of 2016 and we are now four years into it and it started with me just doing part-time psych batteries for the state and now we have 16 full-time employees 10 of them are clinicians and we started off in this little 200 square foot office and we are bursting at the seams at a 3400 square foot office right now (laughs) and and we don't have any room to to grow into because i don't want to 
deal with our, our landlords any longer. <laughs> just, <laughs> and so we're, we're working on uh, saving up to, to buy a building at the end of our lease. Very nice. Very nice. Because it, it's something that's so important, that accessibility for people to have mental health. And a lot of people don't, will will not seek out either therapy or either evaluations because they feel it's one too expensive. They don't feel their insurances are going to cover it or one, their insurance just doesn't cover it at all or almost not enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've dealt with clients uh, that with insurance companies that pay like two and a half sessions. Like you, you're not going to do much within, with two sessions. Mm-hmm. Not going to get far with that. No, no, not very far. Not at all. We, that's that's an intake. <laughs> if you're lucky, an, some, if you're some lucky them, with some of them, we we've been uh, fairly, I think, lucky to to be able to to figure out and, and crack the different. We call them the insurance codes and make relationships with the right people on, on the insurance level because anyone. This is all insurance talk now at this point. But anyone yeah, who, that's my fault. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. Anyone who calls in for like, if you try to get benefits for someone, all those people on the lower level, they just don't know anything. They don't know anything they're talking about. They're just reading from a pamphlet. That's that's all they're doing. But if you go higher up and you make those relationships with the people above them and above those people, it is amazing what doors open up. Like we we take Medicare, Medicaid, and we've been able to to have Medicaid uh, approve us to do even more uh, than their normal testing because one we sent them reports and I did a presentation for them of why they need to pay a little bit more for these people, and they they were like we we really appreciate this this gives us insight because no one in Medicaid really usually is a mental health professional they're all just people having a job unfortunately which. Culture needs to change on that, but mm-hmm. we we did a, a lot of good work on that. So I mean, we're we're constantly pushing for for uh, services for people. But your the population that you that that you serve is uh, is one that it's it's needed. The services are needed. Yes. I think that's the yeah. I think that's that that's the most important thing here. You know, that's that's a population one that at times there's not enough services for, or you do run into that aspect of insurance what's available you know yeah i can see you for therapy but like you know two months from now <laughs> you know that that's that's a lot of what i hear so that and and then also unfortunately not everybody wants to to work with that population i've had that too they're scared and something of, that happens a, a lot like you mentioned matt uh that there's not enough clinicians for the amount of people that are looking right and I have been practicing for five at the practice. I am now five years. I've been at the practice and right now I'm just trying to clear out clients that I know either won't come again or their files is closed to take on people that are on my wait list. And I think we're five psychologists at my practice and I'm the only one taking new clients. The rest of them are booked like three, four months in advance. Yeah, we we had to, to strategize when we uh, hired people to make sure we have like a registered play therapist. We have a Jungian. We, I do Jungian Freudian work. We have a marriage and family therapist. We have uh, CBT specialists. We have psychodynamic specialists at, just to make sure that we, we hit the entire gambit. Um, and we, we have male and female counselors 
and psychologists just to make sure that we 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 serve the population and if i had more room i would hire more because we're about to be completely full because people are realizing that unfortunately covid's not going anywhere right now i will pack my bags i'll move to texas i got family down there like just let me know let me know <laughs> well we are eventually <laughs> going to need a social worker so that's okay funny you say that okay i'm available i'll take Where? vacation and help you move <laughs> we have really good barbecue you might want to ditch. i know <laughs> what was that you might want to ditch that hat oh no the hat stays the hat stays i'm sorry yes. i know i'll get a, I'll, I'll get a lot of hate that's okay but the hat you, stays you can keep the hat it's, it's only if they you mess with their cowboys and i'm a pats fan so i mean uh, I'm, in, I'm in terrible territory for that. there's How do you... there's a lot more down here than you may realize it's insane really uh-huh Really, I'm a I, I'm a Jet fan, so no matter what, I'm not going to do well down there to begin with. <laughs> nope. As long as you don't have it tattooed on your body, you should be fine. I don't. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Their spring training is up uh, like 20 minutes away from me. Yeah. Come up here in Cortland. It's yeah, yeah. literally right outside of where I am. Oh, that's a different podcast for. Yes, for we're jumping. <laughs> I told you. Another topic get. on everything. We yeah. sidetrack a lot. Yes, we do. But uh, that's great. That is great. Um, now, we were talking about that nonprofit, and thank you so much. I, we could spend all night talking about that and other topics that we were talking about before we started recording. But the books you write, and I want to start you know, bringing a little bit more focus down into you with the books that you've written and also geek therapy. And I know these books go hand in hand with some of the, you know, geek therapy and, you know, some some of the uh, courses that is under the umbrella of geek therapy. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit uh, just what inspired you to become an author and, you know, write these books? I have two of them and, you know, Dr. Williams just held them up too. They're great. They're absolutely fantastic. I, I didn't know, you know, Dr. Williams hyped it up at, you know, for PAX. He's like, there's a, Dr. Bean is there. I need you to do me a favor and get these books. And it's like, it's gotta be something about these. And I read them and they're absolutely amazing. If there were audio I was supposed books, to be there, I'd listen to them constantly. I was uh, supposed to be there. If not for Canadian passports. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you he probably, too. I mean, the amount of hand sanitizer that was in the Boston convention center probably could have like done a whole ocean wave and like wiped out like any, anything in the area very quickly. If someone just like let it burst at the seam a little bit, you know, <laughs> yeah yeah no kidding it was very well saturated but they sanitized so like literally i at one point from being behind the booth for so many hours in a row like i stayed around for two hours after the convention and walked the floor because i had to move and it, there was no crowd or anything so that was my my self-care for the four days was the lights half turned off here in the D and D people out in the back playing games still, and just walking with no, like very few people around and just, it helped me relax, but just uh, having that person's job with having the sanitation rag on the uh, conveyor belts for like the, the escalators, escalators just, just standing the at the spraying it and holding it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I kind of envy that guy at some points, you know, <laughs> because he's just he was kinda, using his noggin. Yeah. Yeah. He was all up. He was working smarter, not harder. Exactly. But they did it well because I, I 
just even like the smaller boots playing like some mini like little indie games they were right on top of it they literally were like nope hold on and then you watch them each sanitize yeah. the whole keyboard the mouse the, the the controller everything like they were good but this is before it's we said it before the pax was the last convention before chaos happened absolutely yeah but they they Which nailed it shame. they did a great job yeah i agree i'm kind of jealous because you got to play a game i didn't get to play any <laughs> but, yeah you, you should have uh, came up to the the take this uh uh they did like this whole um what do you call it uh fundraising type thing over there and we played like they had six different games and i actually bought one of them called uh dungeon mayhem and we we were playing till like three in the morning it was nuts. oh down on the main floor uh behind like the curtain over there uh no it was up on the the second floor but it was it was ridiculous how how awesome that was um and uh just seeing all everyone just kind of enjoying themselves and, and having fun that's fantastic no sorry i missed out i'll catch it next time mm-hmm. uh but tell us a little bit about what what inspired you to become an author and go this direction. Absolutely. So basically, one of the things is that I have always, went, all through college, grad school, and stuff like that, I've always been part of one of the administration boards of, of like popular psychology, of psychology and technology, something along those lines. I've always been like the student rep for those things. And I've always really enjoyed doing that type of stuff. And part of that job is always having to write an article or so every three months or so for the community and also for, for other people. I also really, really like research, and I love conducting research. I love writing it up. I love pretty much the, the entire process, except for a reviewer two. You always don't like reviewer two. Um, that's that's rule number one in uh, in research. Usually, uh, when you get a reviewer two, you're like, just I know the comments are gonna be bad. But so basically, <laughs> what what ended up happening is I I actually played a, a lot of video games growing up. I have tons of stories of me being grounded for for months even a year at one point uh, for, for playing video games. And Legend of Zelda is my favorite one. Always will be, always has been. And uh, my gosh, so so growing up, played a lot of video games. And I went into my first practicum and I it was at a methadone clinic. So I had to be there at five in the morning. I would leave at, at one o'clock because those were our hours. And that was perfectly, perfectly fine. But and it was it was intense. Anyways, so the reason I bring up that is because I had a bunch of clients who didn't really kind of know what in in methadone clinics the the counselors revolve so fast. Yes, so they do. They they don't necessarily. It's really hard to build that that trust with their counselor because they're like, you're just going to leave me again. Why do I want to form a relationship with you? And you're like, no, I'm here all year. And they're like, yeah, we'll see. You'll probably be gone in three months. And, and so. After the six-month period, I started bringing in the intention of video games to people who have never played them. And so I started having them play and having teaching them a little bit of like uh, mythology and Herman Hesse's uh, books on on different uh, myth- mythological beasts and mythological characters and stories. And what I actually started seeing was a massive transformation for, for a lot of these methadone uh, clients, where by the end of the year, my caseload had dwindled by about 40%, which is very, very high for uh, a, not just a regular practitioner, but also a, for a methadone a, a, clinic. For a methadone clinic. In Holy And the reason it had actually dwindled that way is because we were teaching um, all these people who never played video games, these different uh, 
uh, different mythological stories that they could relate to and and grab onto and, and feel like they were part of something else. And so what we ended up uh, doing is we we kind of standardized that a little bit. And I, I unfortunately, I had, I had to leave to go to do learn psych testing at that point. Um, but from what I heard while I was still in California, it did really well for a little bit until it petered off because they didn't have a video game person there, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, the, but basically, that was kind of the the turning point that I wanted to to kind of get this information out there. I, I noticed that clients uh, react to this in, in a lot of positive ways. Yes, there's negative out there too, but there's also a lot of positive. And when they react to it in this in this type of manner, they can feel competent. They can feel like they are part of something and they can do something really amazing about themselves in a lot of different ways. And so that kind of led into uh, writing up some, some of these different reports for some of my internship here in Waxahachie, Texas. And I actually brought it into there and I had a whole bunch of slew of geek and gamer clients. And we brought in uh, Nintendos, we brought in Xboxes, and we focused on trauma and worked with a lot of kids on trauma. And it was just quite amazing to see their their um, entire lives take a change when you can use the the characters that they choose to play as kind of show them like this is kind of what you're doing in here how can we utilize that in your life as well and and having that go into that type of direction for them was very powerful for their own what we call myth personal myth monomyth is what we call it joseph campbell yep and and with with that type of of information we basically kind of just noticed that a lot of these geeks and gamers like the the gaming itself was uh, a secondary condition to something else trauma depression anxiety asd autism spectrum for those who don't know the, the term and in what we we noticed was that if i can teach i and i would teach i taught the whole practice how to kind of do this if if you can teach someone to do this then why can't we we hit that on a much grander scale and, and and promote a much more uh, massive change. And so that's what led me down to the writing path. I know it's a long-winded story, sorry, but uh, <laughs> that's that's what led me down to start writing these books because we, we want to to like touch everyone's lives in the way that they can and show like these games, these things that you have done um, to to your own life and the games you've played have a purpose, have something that you can take out of them and you can go forward with that going forward. I, I've noticed because uh, I have been using, before I, I kind of found you and even before I, I found uh, a, a lot of other psychologists that kind of have had this penchant, I, I've been studying uh, for me it was parasocial relationships and how they impact people. I've been studying this for a God, 10, 12, oh God, I've lost count. <laughs> Too many years. But uh, the more I've kind of researched this, the more I've found the ways of using a character, not necessarily on face value, but the the story of the character, the either the trauma or the interconnections of the character where someone can really relate to, to it. And that's where... Um, on this podcast before it kind of got too too intensive i was writing these profiles of characters in terms of this is the character who he is and this is the kind of psychological makeup of the character and a lot of people really liked those links and i use those in in therapy of 
using a character to link to an experience or give a metaphor where someone can better understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all about taking the, the literal interpretation of what we call the character. This, is, this isn't just video games. This is Dungeons and Dragons. This is anime. This is every, everything possible mm-hmm. that you could also, uh, absolutely uh, make, a, make a case for. It, it's taking that, that makeup and saying, what has this person learned? What has this person been able to go forward with and how does it relate to you in that individual sense? What aspects of this person can you actually say, that's part of me. And if this person can do it, so can I. And it's something that when I was doing my, my own research uh, for my, my thesis is kind of researching that, that Greek, uh, Greco-Roman mythology of how people would put these gods up on pedestals, but look at those trials and tribulations and apply it to their own lives. Mm-hmm. Because, oh, if this specific God can live through the same thing I'm going through, that it means that I can do it as well. But you can also then take that exact uh, sentence right there and Mm -hmm. say, from an archetypal level, like Mm -hmm. if if I am feeling Herculean task, right? This task feels so overwhelming. Let's just even use like starting a nonprofit, building up all Mm -hmm. the resources, building up everything. It feels like you're always rolling that uh what we call that that giant boulder up the hill like it never never as syphilis uh it always rolling up the the everything that just feels overwhelming that is what we call a herculean task and that task itself can be done but it just means it's going to take that much more energy to get it uh, taken care of and that much more to overcome this burden but it doesn't mean it, it doesn't have to stop you it can be a wonderful force for good if you are willing to look at it from like, this is a big task. That's fine. How do we push this up? How do we keep going with this? And one thing I find with a lot of psychologists I've met in the past that are more traditional, the quote unquote therapists or psychologists, they tend to shy away from this type of utilization of new media or new technology mm-hmm. because it's unproven, untested. And I find that using it, it, it's not the sole thing I use, but it helps create that relationship with someone. Absolutely. It, it, I don't think it's necessarily supposed to be the sole thing that we use. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know one practitioner who's like, I only use this one thing to help someone. Uh, you talk about irrational beliefs, and we talk about them, and we fix them, and then you're done. No, there's mm-hmm. progress after that. There's things that have to happen before. There's pre-set up, there's end set up, there's then graduation from that task, and then moving forward in, in that type of capacity. So for, for someone to be like, oh, this is this is just a bunch of hullabaloo, this doesn't make sense. Well, why don't you start talking to some of the people who are, are doing this type of stuff and talking about the content that we're, we're relating to the clients and watch the clients uh, light up. I, I have a girl, um, a client who is a teenager uh, and comes from a rough childhood, still in, in a rough childhood. She was, uh, to give you guys just a brief idea, she came to me from a psych hospital because she was having a psychotic uh, delusions. Mm. And one of the things is when I went to the psych hospital to, to test her, I was like, you're, you're not actually psychotic. You're just massively depressed. 
like to a degree I have not seen in a kid ever before. And, and so I actually spent like an extra hour with her. Uh, we weren't even testing at this point because I hadn't finished it, but I was talking to her about her life and what was going on. And one, she's the only one in a family of five who watches anime. And everyone else hated anime. And so they would badger her at home. They would be like, why are you doing that? That's useless. Don't do that. But she felt related to the characters. So after all of that, we we did just kind of like a, a one hour free session for her, um, and and talked about the the different uh, ones that the different animes that she really really enjoyed to to listen to and watch and and just engross herself in. And it was absolutely phenomenal to see the the change in her in that moment. And then she came on a cl- as a client because she sought me out afterwards. And we actually then did a, a complete, much more in-depth intervention with, with different animes. And her favorite one is Bunko Stray Dogs. And mm. um, I'm ahead of her in fairy tale right now, which is the biggest accomplishment of my life with this client because the amount of anime that she watches rivals the amount of time that you sleep per night or breathe <laughs> oh my gosh um, i'm sure so, so i'm ahead of her and it's like yes i'm beating you in something and she's like <laughs> laughing she's laughing at me she goes just wait till next week dr b and we're like no <laughs> um, no let no. me have this but but it, it, it turns out she, she was just severely depressed but now since we've been doing all these types of de- really interesting interventions of how does she see other people how could she use these what call archetypal experiences that she's uh seen in the anime and, and then overlay them upon the people that she is interacting with in school in life in, in job she's a boyfriend now she is getting straight A's. She feels like she can uh, go and talk to anyone in the class because she, in her mind, perceives that um, these people act like these types of anime characters. Therefore, this is how my exact response I'm expecting from you. And ironically, nine times out of ten, that's a response that she gets. And she's like, I feel safe in having these conversations with people. And I actually started an anime group and a D&D group at, at the school. And I was like, who is this person from a year ago? Right. And she's, she's made yeah, tremendous, tremendous progress. And this is just on anime interventions. Like, I'm having her watch stuff, and I'm having her talk to me about, what does she like about this anime? What does she like about this person? What does she not like about this? And <laughs> that's it. That's literally a, an intervention for her. What I think a lot of people don't understand when it comes to geek therapy, for me, I have more of a penchant within superhero therapy, but they're all intertwined, is using these characters, using this um, new media or this popular culture as a way to springboard into tried and true techniques that we already have. So evidence-based practice. We're just using it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The greatest story that I, I know I've said it once before, but I'll say it again because I love it. When I was working on rehab, I had a guy come into my office, this big burly man, you know, just coming off of detox and screaming at the top of his lungs, get me out. I want to leave. I want yelling. He sits down and I'm getting the paperwork ready. It's a voluntary unit. I'm getting the paperwork ready. Sure looks at my office and he sees the first appearance of Gambit, X-Men, what is it, 266. I have it next to me. And <laughs> Convenient. He, he sees it in my office and all of a sudden just stops. And he's like, that's the first appearance of Gambit. I was like, yes, it is. 
And then he looks next to it. He goes, that's preacher number one. I was like, yes, it is. And we spent a good 45 minutes to an hour just talking about comics. He ended up staying. He ended up staying. He ended up completing the rehab program. And I hope he's doing well now. But at the bare basic of what everyone here is talking about, it all boils. That's a connection that you're having with someone. Yes. That is, that's, they, you're no longer this big, bad, mean professional. You are on their level that can help them. Exactly. That's, and, and I'm, I don't mean to, I don't mean to dumb it down or to oversimplify it, but that's the bare basic of any therapeutic relationship is, is a connection. You need to have that in order to move forward. And I love to hear that you started this in a methadone clinic. <laughs> it was with with my first patient was a seventy two year old. I <laughs> really I love this. Yeah. Wow, yeah, it that was, is it amazing. was fantastic to watch him try to play Legend of Zelda. On the <laughs> so everybody oh thought gosh. I brought I brought a Nintendo Switch onto rehab once, and unfortunately, I don't know if this is everywhere, but sometimes. When you, when, you, when you delve into substance abuse, like people are very set in their ways. This is how mm-hmm. it's treated. This is how it's done. Yeah, Nothing this is, different. This is evidence-based. You follow the, the protocol. I brought a Nintendo Switch in just to have everybody play Mario Kart for just a little bit. And everybody thought I was nuts. And all of a sudden, it was the best group attendance we've had. You know, we were able to have a, almost like a teamwork, team building exercise between everybody. Mm-hmm. I split everybody into groups. We developed a point system. Like it was ridiculous what we did, and it was it was just something different. And I think a lot of times too, and I'm I, my my work has been for a long time in substance abuse, and I think everybody gets used to. Okay, I'm going to rehab. Okay, we're going to talk about my feelings. We're going to, I'm going to sit in a group. I'm going to go to AA. I'm going to go to NA. But you throw in something a little bit different, and everybody's like, oh, and I can't curse here. I was like, oh, crap. Mm-hmm. I can do this. And it, it brings back a lot of things. And so, and to also hear that you had a 40% drop in patients. Insane. That's not heard of. <laughs> Insane. That's, that, people, that number. Th- that people were not coming back in. D- not because they were like leaving. Drug induced or anything. Because right. they graduated the program appropriately. What a lot of people don't understand is therapeutic relationships mm-hmm. and being able to build that therapeutic relationship. And this is what geek therapy or superhero therapy or whatever variation of it does so well is about 80%, so 80% of the success of therapy. Mm-hmm. You know what the best You can have of- all the books and tools and knowledge, that equates to 20%. Yeah. The, the best part of, of, I think, what we're actually talking about here is that when, when you perform geek therapy, it is not just aimed at geeks. A person on the street can be pulled in, and you can be like, hey, Tell me about uh, Thor and how many Thor movies have you have you seen? What about uh, Iron Man? Do you understand his ego self identity access across everything of his <laughs> narcissistic personality, and then how it goes into a depressive state, and then he comes into realization with uh, the grasping of the the ego and the self access, uh, pulling himself up, apart, and then him forming his actual true nature. And someone's like, 
I don't know what you just said, but let's go and talk. But that's 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 the kind of stuff that we're talking about here. You, you don't necessarily right. have to be a geek in order to love this stuff, and you don't have to only use it with geeks. Like we we've used it with parents. I've used it against parents all, all the time, and I say that word specifically against them because they don't always necessarily like to think that game playing D and D is appropriate or all these other stuff. Yet they see all this massive progress with their yeah. with their kids when it's directed appropriately. Because people play video games, people watch Marvel movies. They watch Star Wars or Star Trek or any variation of some form of pop culture. You can find a character somewhere mm-hmm. that someone will grasp and link to where they have similar experiences. It, it's, it's, I'm sorry. It's blowing my mind. I, I'm sorry because it's it, for, for especially for substance abuse and, and a methadone clinic, not only is it, just the population that, and I hate to say this, nobody wants to work with, mm-hmm. except for me. It's a, it's a, it's a tough population <laughs> to work with. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I think I'll be in it forever. But just to hear the fact that you were able to go in and do that, and it's the, it is a very difficult population. I am sure you had people literally look at you like WTF, like, are you kidding me? I'm going to sit here and play video games. I'm going to talk about this with you. Because that's what I got when when I brought my Switch in, because... The first thing, what are we, kids? I'm like, yeah, let, let, let's actually go back to that time a little bit. Yeah, yes, we're kids. Let's go back to that for a moment. A lot of addiction is rooted in childhood. In rooted, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, it's blowing my mind that you had a 40% drop. Because if I went back and told my colleagues, by the way, I spoke to somebody who had a 40% drop in methadone. They would, one, they'd yell at me. And two, they would tell me I'm lying. Yeah, (laughs) but Uh, you could simplify it even more with just having that switch system in uh, the rehab session distracted them. It's a form of escapism, right? I was trying. Really, my 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 plan was simple. Here's a different coping skill that maybe some of you have access. Right, and I I do it with I do it with music a lot too, um, in in various ways. And I don't want to go too off track, but. You're right. You could use it. You could use these types of mediums to have positive results. In the I, end. I mean, Tony Stark is a wonderful thing because he has oh, so yeah. he's so versatile in so many different manners of, of what you can do of saving the universe, of neurosis, of drinking and his alcoholism alcohol problem. Yeah. Uh, the trauma. The bottle. Uh, our trauma was a massive, massive one. Trauma is another one. And, and, and then just even just going even higher order of that, that personality development of, of who he is and what he's had to do. I mean, it's, it's insane what you can do. That's just one character. Right. Then you, yeah. then right. you jump over to Thor and even just the, using Marvel cinematics um, in, yeah. at this point. Like, it, it's you just a plethora. It. Yeah. One that I use a lot is Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just with, with uh, sexual assaults and post-traumatic growth. Mm-hmm. First season of Jessica Jones is kind of the epitome of post-traumatic growth and yeah. someone living through uh, sexual assault and trauma. Yeah, hands down. And that's, and that ending. again, <laughs> just one character. That's that's the beautiful part about this. Like you, you, we're not even getting into Bruce Banner and the Hulk yet. We're not even right. getting into. Ooh, into, into, ooh, into ooh. I know. Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're we're not even getting into to anything like really crazy. Like 
D&D yet, like how your character that you choose to play as, your alignment, your choices in that game are yes. representative of who you are. Never mind if you have a really good DM, you can manipulate the situation into a problem-solving idea and then have the group work together as a team that don't that does not normally work together very well and then solve that problem in either they can fight they can not fight they can have to round about a, a different way of mixing the two maybe they want to have a conversation with the monster maybe they want to try to manipulate it into a more positive light there's so many different avenues that you can go with this and popular culture is just like the tip of the iceberg it was. Uh, it, it's funny that you mentioned that. Our first D and D game, uh, the first encounter that I had you guys do, you made it so you guys didn't fight, which was great. It was, you know, I, I think it was Mrs. Kilmer. Her character was a little bit was more of a passive and started just making noise around the area to try to scare the monsters instead. And it that was a fun time. And in, and thankfully, my dice, you know rolled in your favor and <laughs> you're not you're not heard about that at all though <laughs> no i, I like not your dice it benefits <laughs> us most of the time i need I, I need more dice i'm a dice goblin anyway <laughs> have you used the the 20 the d20 i said i used it all last game did you that was i exclusively used that d20 in our last game i had it weighed on the on the twenty side, that way ones come came up all the time for you. You're, Thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> One thing that a lot of people don't really understand is, and I've met, I've seen this a lot, and I've given this example in the past with um, therapeutic rapport and the connection with the, that therapist. And a lot of people say or think that, oh, I finally have an appointment with a therapist this is the only person I'm going to get. They don't realize that you have a choice. If you don't feel that you're connecting with that particular therapist, you can change. It's recommended to change. Uh, I am not the therapist for everyone. There are some people I really click with, and there are some people that possibly won't click with the style that I have, Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Like I mentioned, I've given this example in the past where my first client, so so this was back in grad school, was a a person that had multiple businesses, suit and tie every single day for his entire life. And I was the second therapist he's ever ever seen. So the first therapist was a more, let's say, granola (laughs) than... (laughs) So she, she had the long skirts and sitting on bean bags on the floor. And he was, he had arrived there with a, like a three piece suit. He did one session and said, Nope, never again. She's a great therapist. Just not the right therapist for him. A little too, little too granola for his taste, mm. <laughs> but that's okay. Absolutely. She works for a lot of people. It just didn't work for him. And that's okay. It's my first conversation with clients. That's actually how I end the first session. I tell them you're, you know, if you choose, if this didn't click, if this didn't work, call me and we'll find somebody different. There's plenty of other people in this office or there's plenty of other people I can refer you to. 
don't I and I usually end it don't give up on this, mm-hmm. but let's find you the right person. Mm-hmm. You know, and I always tell them like, listen, if you're worried about hurting my feelings, trust me, I've heard worse. <laughs> I, I I'm pretty sure therapists have been called every name in the book at some points. Yep. And have, words, having worked in a prison, do. I've been called everything. Having worked words on a rehab, exist. Having worked on a rehab, a psych unit. Yeah, I've heard. Uh, <laughs> I've heard every name. <laughs> So yeah. it's it's pretty pretty intense what we sometimes get called. But the yeah. the the work the work that you do is uh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. The work that you have done and continue to do that's amazing. It's super super uh, rewarding and and being able to see the change happen and just what what our parents as like oh, I just want to do like what our parents think we do we just talk about comics or something like that what we actually do we're doing therapy what our client thinks we're doing is we're <laughs> we're having fun mm-hmm. that's like therapy is supposed to be enjoyable it's, it's not supposed to be like teeth pulling or trip to right. the dentist right. or to, to the doctor you're actually supposed to enjoy it like you're you're supposed to gain insight you're supposed to gain all sorts of stuff around yourself and if you can you can manage those things if you can learn from these different things why not use the mythologies that we have very much around us and, and just at our fingertips? How do you deal? How do you not deal with that's the wrong word? How do you work with um, a, a parent who's kind of not on board with anything that you're doing? Because I think, unfortunately, they, a lot of parents have video games are bad. That's the reason my child is doing this. Why are you playing video games with him? Like, how, how him or her, how do you? How do you word that? How do you discuss that? It is one of my favorite things to do. So, okay. So when we, <laughs> this and the reason is, is because it's so mind blowing for the parents mm. in what we do. So one of the things that we, we tend to do in the, in this aspect is we have the parent and we have the kid in the intake. The parents like he's playing video games. She's playing video games. They're not doing schoolwork. We're not doing that. Not blah, 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 blah. You know, we all have heard those, those types of, of, of things mm-hmm. before. The, the biggest thing, the kid's just sitting there going like, here we go again. You know, you just see the wheels turning and you're like, all right, you know, thanks mom. Thanks dad for, for that information. You turn to the kid and whatever that, that type of, of geek artifact that they're, they're really into, you start talking to them about it and you see them like get really confused or like, what, what, why are we talking about this? And you start going into it deeper and deeper and you start going further into, into why they play this type of character and you see them get excited. You see them um, start to come out of their shell and not just be like glazed over. Look, you look over to the other side and the parents are like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm like, oh, so communication what you're asking for your 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 son your daughter is mm. is one of the biggest things that you're actually not giving to them either and they're, they're, they're they get this scowl on their face they're like of well, course. i communicate i'm like well, if you communicate ask him her about what 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 they're doing and <laughs> and they're, they're like well i i don't care about that and i'm like that's the issue right that, right there is the issue that that statement right there isn't it invalidation of your child's experience of your as child's a parent growth you potential. should care mm-hmm. for everything your child does even though you don't care about it right. is an interest for them that and so when when they have that mind blown i i usually then take it a step below, uh, further so i i have a game called beasts of balance in in my office and it's a ipad game and it's a, like an origami snacking game and i actually have them then play in the intake clinical intake we, we haven't even like 
done anything really play together just to kind of see um, how do they interact and the kid gets super into it the parents are like eh, blah blah you know i don't really want to do this and then you have them switch roles where the kid has to then tell the parent which one which one do you do next which one do you have to do how do you balance this stuff and then you start to see them work as a team and they leave that clinical interview being like this is weird and i feel connected to you and i don't know why and you're like this is the power of what we're doing is because if you can talk about this if you can interact if you can ask that question if you want to learn about this type of stuff then you have to go and and be curious. You have to engage in that capacity. And so that's that's really one of the the big uh, hallmark signs of what we do in the clinical intakes is, is we engage them heavily in this capacity to, to really focus in on how, why we, this is powerful and why you should be wanting to do it. Then we just send them home and with interventions of like, kid, you got to teach them how to play Fortnite. It doesn't matter how bad they are. Or Brawl Stars is one of my favorites because then parents like start playing it and then like they'll, they'll friend request me on, on my account and stuff like that too. It's super hilarious to be like 11 o'clock at night, you just finish up a game, parent like friends you and you're like, sorry, man, <laughs> we're, we're not doing this right now. Go play with your kid. <laughs> They're awake right now. Because it's something that I've mentioned a lot to the parents that I see, because I, I don't, I mainly work with adults, but I, I deal a lot with certain parents, and they say, "Well, I'm not connected with my my kid. They're playing these games, and I don't understand." And I say, "Go play. Pick up a controller, or a keyboard, and mouse, or even just sit with them and watch them play and ask them questions to figure out what their interests are, because if as a parent, you are not interested in what the child is interested in. It just creates that barrier. Mm-hmm. If you're forcing the child to do something you want to do, it will create that barrier and vice versa. Yeah. I, I think too, I think there's always been that um, sort of like disconnect, almost like they're, they're supposed to be that disconnect. Like, yeah, I'm not supposed to know what, video game this is i'm not supposed to know what a Fortnite dance is i'm not supposed to know you know what a victory royale is you know i'm not supposed to know like why this village is so beautiful in animal crossing but there is sort of this um but i've actually told parents too like no you should be invested like you should doesn't matter if you don't understand at least ask you know, Matt has had like four different islands now in Animal Crossing, right? <laughs> I'm only on two. Only on two so far. I've been busy. <laughs> but one thing, like I said, like I mentioned, as much as I would want my sons to play hockey, because I'm from Canada, so of course we play hockey. If they want to go to, say, dance or piano, I'm going to be a dance dad. I, there's no point in me trying to force them to do something they don't want to do. You need to support what their interests are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the wonderful things about like when we when we write about or we talk about video games in a lot of these different contexts, a lot of people aren't making these types of connections. Like say, let, let's use Legend of Zelda because it's the easiest and it's my favorite. Silent protagonist, right? He's mm-hmm. silent for a reason. It's the reason is to project upon the character on a lot of levels. And if you can project upon the character, then you are that character. And mm-hmm. when you turn that game off, you hit that power button, that projection has to come back into you. So 
that's just one of the big things if we start thinking about games and video games as a, as a visual mythological story that we can relate to. It's the same thing as, as reading um, any of the old, old mythological tales. Then we have now just even that tiny switch is, is already starting to move us in, in that type of direction of why the storytelling is important why trauma can be informed through a video game, why we can be courageous to to force ourselves into a, a more positive role model or positive experience, and why we need to be aware that the uh, the different characters that we, we play as are that just that important to us. Absolutely. Because without going too deep into parasocial relationships and everything, but those characters and not just the stories that there will be in, but kind of the, the underpainings of the character can teach us so much. They, they can teach us these life lessons or explain certain life situations about how to behave or act in certain ways, teach us lessons that, we may not necessarily understand or we may not have in our day-to-day lives. One thing uh, that I mentioned to my thesis supervisor, God bless him for taking a chance on on this idea, but the the whole basic principle of my my research at the time was what would Spider-Man do given this situation? Because Spider-Man has two people. You have Spider-Man and then you have Peter Parker. And how do you play this scenario in this uh, in this situation? Because it's a fictional character. Because it's uh, this comic book character. A lot of people say, oh, well, you're not going to learn anything from that person. But then you have the flip side of what would Jesus do? Mm-hmm. So why is it okay to use what would Jesus do and not what would Spider-Man do? What would Captain America do? Makes it a little bit more relatable. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how that works. It's you can learn so much from these characters. Yeah, it's it's truly amazing. I would say aspect of of how we can see ourselves in a lot of different mediums. And you know what the wonderful, the most, my opinion, one of the most wonderful things are is that someone could be playing this in California and someone could be playing this in New York at the same exact time and have that same exact experience. And you're like. Why do they, why are they getting that? How how are they doing this? If video games or or comics or all this stuff is is meaningless, why are they having this amazing experience at the same time? This relatable connection when this stuff's not supposed to matter according to people. It's it's because it does. It has that meaning. It has that matter, and it just needs the content and a little bit of switching here and there to to really understand um, why we do this. I mean. How many uh, of us here have seen uh, all of JoJo? Yeah, see? Almost. Yeah, so <laughs> the first season, the first three episodes, like where you, when you first watch those, those first three episodes, we're like, what the heck is going on? What? what, what this is redonkulous, whatever is happening. And then it just gets weirder and weirder in the, like, the best soulful way. <laughs> It can be mm-hmm. used to teach so many different things, such as um, to how to get away from toxic masculinity, how to be able to overcome different traumas, how to continue to push forward, even when the odds are stacked against you. And these different altars, these different uh, ideas of who we are, are 
parts of our personality can be utilized in a lot of different ways. Not necessarily saying obviously fist fighting and stuff like that, mm. but to counteract the the different aspects of of the people around us and how we integrate and psychically integrate with them. It just takes that little extra step into video games or into um, just pop culture in general, being able to take that little extra step to be able to get to that point. I think on the surface, a lot of people, you know, look at it as this mind numbing Mm -hmm. tool. When in reality, if you work with it a little bit, it actually becomes, it can be a teaching tool. It becomes a catalyst uh, is what we would say. A better word. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That that catalyst is so powerful. Yeah. Because video games has a different place within entertainment because a lot of entertainment is very passive. So you'll watch TV or you'll watch a movie, but with a game, it's very active. You're making these choices. You're making these decisions. And a lot can be learned from those decisions. So why did you go right rather than left? Or why did you get this item versus this one or make this decision versus this one. And it kind of teaches you a lot about the person, but also about yourself. I've, uh, I've used Starcraft to teach about financial structure and financial freedom more than I think I have ever wanted to because it's resource-based game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Starcraft or civilization or command and conquer. Zerg was such a cheap race. Always hated, always hated the Zerg rush. Oh, oh man, it was brutal. <laughs> Have you guys but ever one thing played, I, played against a pro uh, in, the, in that game? It is I, disastrous for you. I, I've played against my father, who is a closet pro at old school Warcraft and Starcraft, where for fun, he would play 10 of the hardest difficulty computers against himself. And he would win. Like he would take on, we used to have old school LAN parties with me, my brother, my dad, and uh, my best friend all in the same house in different corners. We had a hell of a network. And it would be the three of us versus him. And I would use cheat codes back when you could (laughs) to get the resources and stuff. So I could even have a chance to compete against him and he would still win. But yeah, I admit I used cheat codes. Who didn't? <laughs> there was level power was overwhelming. It was, but man, I love the reference for the StarCraft and the finances on it because yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah, you know that's I would have never have thought of that. I I really wouldn't have, and that's just fantastic. It's even One better thing when I, you have your map editor and you can create the entire level yourself and it specifically strategize it so they're they're forced into that that type of mindset thinking. Mm. But one thing I wanted to to touch on, Dr. Bean, was uh, what you you and others have developed with uh, Leyline. Oh, Leyline? Yeah. Yeah, Leyline. Leyline, it'll work. I, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's Canadian. I'm, I'm appreciative of it. Um, <laughs> the uh, Yeah, so, so what we've done is we've actually started training uh, clinicians and other professionals. Uh, we have people across the seas in, in the UK actually doing... Um, doing our, our training program. We have life coaches, we have doctors, uh, like psychologists and, and them, yes, but we also have like 
medical doctors taking our our courses and everything along those lines to to help inform them of like how can they utilize the stuff for their interventions and just to help uh, reduce uh, client fatigue and, and work with their clients and so we're we're traversing across all sorts of domains video games anime D, fan fiction geek culture overall popular culture superheroes comics i mean it's it, it's literally the sky's limitless and we're doing about like two two or three trainings a, a month and the let's see the, by the end of this year we'll have close to about 35 different trainings um, overall that have been will have been offered and people can take them for continuing education units where I think we're about to get NBCC accreditation for the master's level as well. We're working on social work, but man, social works rules are redonkulous. Yeah. Their paperwork is intense. And so I've I've taken two days off of work twice uh, now to try to get through it. And my goodness, it is the most frustrating paperwork to go try to go through. But yeah, we're, we're basically like we opened up a publishing company. We have our geek therapy book coming out. We have our final fantasy one coming out to, to do that, which has a massive, amazing trauma chapter in the end of it, which is going to be insane. So, I mean, we're, we're really just trying to, to make this as accessible as possible for people in, in, we understand like the people who are, are leading some of the charge that we're not the experts in, in, in every aspect of geek culture. So we're pulling in people who are um, also uh, experts in different areas that we may not be as familiar with. And they're coming on in like we just had a LARP one. Um, I, I've done LARP, uh, live action role playing, but I can't tell you any of the research around that. I can't tell you anything of how to do that. We have someone who has has worked nationwide uh, with with LARPers and internationally with with working with trauma and LARPers, um, and she did a fantastic presentation and an absolutely phenomenal way of, of explaining the content in a way that you're like, this is amazing. Like how how you guys have already formed this type of trauma informed or anxiety informed, uh, utilizing an X card, use a lot, utilizing the thumbs up sign. And these are all just nonverbals where you mm. don't have to have anything um, else past that. This this is all absolutely amazing work that a lot of people are are already here. That's that's the whole point of it. Like we're trying to create that platform. Well, we're not we're not trying. We are heavily succeeding in creating that platform to to be able to inform the rest of the world about this type of stuff and how we can use it to our benefit. It's a long oh, story. There's Sorry, just God. rendered everyone no. speechless just I'm, because of everybody's just so in. Oh my gosh. There's I love so it. many good courses on the line. Uh, I'm taking one right now. It's it's yours, the uh, Video Gamers and Games and Therapy. And uh, like I mentioned, I, I don't have a lot of time with the, the, the newborn and the toddler, but it is so good, and it's kind of really hitting to home with a lot of the things that I work with and that I've already been using. But it's always refreshing and confidence-inspiring to know that someone else is doing the same thing or in a variation of the things that I'm doing. So almost like the, I'm not crazy for, for doing these things. Yeah. And that, I think that's one of the, the biggest things we're, we're trying to, to do is, is I think what you just brought up is an actually amazing point. Um, and I'm, I'm going to, I might gonna try to blow, I'm going to attempt to blow your mind on this one. Um, where is we help our geeks, right? We help the people with with geeks. We help people who are not geeks. We help people using this type of geek cultural artifacts is what, what we call them. 
but what about us? Why are we drawn to this stuff? Because we are geeks on some level and we also utilize these things. So for us, for clinicians, for this is a normalizing a condition for clinicians and professionals who feel connected to this, but don't know necessarily why. And so it creates a, not just something for our clients, but also for the, the clinicians to know you are not alone, which if anyone's gone into private practice, you know how lonely it can be really quick if you, it if is. you don't have a lot of people around you. Yeah, very true. It, it very is. Even within, like I said, I have a decent sized office. So we are one, two, three, six on my floor. And then there's a couple more on the second floor. But on my day to day, I'm seeing six to eight clients in a day. I'm in my office and I just go in and out just to, to get the client and go back in. There's no real connection there. Mm. Mm-hmm. So what what you are talking about is we at the Telos Project we take great strides to to make sure that that is is not necessarily happening. Where we have staggered lunches, we have staggered breaks. We if someone's like, hey, I need this like an extra fifteen minutes here, we're like, great, let's move this client. Let's just push everything back a little bit. We we take great care to to make sure that. We, we, our clinicians don't feel like they're alone and we usually obviously do lunches and, and everything else. Everyone's lunch break tends to be around the same area. So clinical and admin staff kind of talk together. Their the group's always laughing because they're just doing something crazy. <laughs> it, very entertaining. If you walk in and you're like, they're, they like their jobs. They like what they're doing. And I'm like, great. This is what we're, we're trying to do for everyone. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm happy to hear that. And I I can't wait to see what else you have planned for the future. <laughs> so uh, I can tell you, I can't tell you the names, but I can tell you that there are already six other books on the, on the way, like uh, oh. ones on RPG manuals. We put out a, a call for one of the other ones of, uh, a book on 2020 musings uh there's that one we have a a D manual that will be coming out to utilize in, in therapy that uh, is going to be uh, you you that'll probably come out late 2021 i think man what else do we have um we have a teacher who's actually writing a book of how he uses uh games in his classroom to teach esl and i thought it was such oh. an cool cool uh idea that i was like you, you've got to write a book on this man and so he's he's almost done with with his portions and then i take over <laughs> <laughs> but we we have so many different things down the pipeline and everything just has to go in a, in a perfect order otherwise it all gets messed up here and there but it's it's well worth it that's awesome. uh, i await with anticipation <laughs> <laughs> the D one excites me i'm not gonna lie <laughs> Yeah, there's going to be uh, there's going to be two of those ones. So one, uh, Sarah Bowman, um, if you're familiar with her stuff, she's uh, she's writing us a, a a book on a little bit more colloquial language. And for people who don't know what that is, it's just a little bit more uh, language that uh, anyone can pick up, and it's not just research uh, jargon heavy. Yeah. Yeah, it's the easiest way to kind of put it. Mm-hmm. And so she's she's writing one about how can we utilize these things for for benefits 
and to to understand our clients and work with them on cognitive, affective, and social, emotional um, stuff. And she's interviewing, she's almost on interviewing about 50 different clinicians who use D&D or a different type of of TTRPG in in therapeutic context to to really hit home these ideas and these uh, focused uh, opportunities. Yeah. So many things that you can do with this medium. It, it, it really is incredible. It's you know, what a lot of people don't understand yeah. is if you have something, there's a character somewhere in a specific fandom that is dealing with something similar to that. Yeah. I've lost many of animes to my clients because they, I let them borrow it and then they just never return it. And I'm like, all right, well, you probably were never going to find it. Otherwise, I'll just buy another copy. <laughs> <laughs> That's yours now. Yeah, but okay, but for good for good reasons. For good reasons. It is for a good reason. <laughs> and, that's, and that's okay, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you have it, because you probably needed it more than I did. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But I think we could sit here and talk shop all night long. That is a definite. Going. Let's do this. <laughs> three hour podcast anybody anybody <laughs> done it before um, we, we, yeah we have uh, no you know what i've been sitting here just really absorbing this conversation and discussion because it's just on just another level it's so interesting and in what you've done with the medium of just gaming to bring a positive been on and utilize it in these different uh, forms. Just amazing. Where I'm very used to hearing people talk about uh, the negative side of gaming, and it, it was a big thing last year in the news with the World, you know, Health Organization, you know, gaming addiction and this and that. And people tend to jump on the bandwagon when it gets in the things get into mainstream media, and it they focused on the negative of gaming, but. If you take a minute, you will see how much good gaming does for not just the individual, but on the big picture as well. Uh, example, uh, this is big picture, uh, St. Jude's Children's Hospital, uh, GCX, uh, the Gaming Community Expo convention raised $6 million this year. That is huge. And that's gaming doing good. And that's mm-hmm. on the big picture. When you go down to the individual, the self-care, you know, positive that you could have of it, and everything that you you explained and touched on is just utilizing in ways that I'm sure any game developer would just be glowing with with energy just from how you were able to take what they've created for people to enjoy for entertainment and to utilize in rehab settings and self-care and multiple, several different ways after that. And it it could be endless. So yeah, we could sit here all night and talk about this, but I just wanted to thank you for this really amazing discussion. I mean, this was awesome. I think I just love Matt going crazy going, what was your percentage again? It's unheard of. It, it is. I, I believe you. And by the way, I believe of. you. I believe I, I, you. But I, it's just. It's, it's it's it is unheard of because methadone clinics are are known for like in and out, just like yes, methadone and stuff like that. But when you can address that that underlying trauma, that underlying um, loss of of everything, and help them gain uh, stuff through these types of mediums, changes the entire world for them in in ways that you you never understood that you could. Um, 
And that's, that's impressive. Yeah. Well, humans thrive on connection. Yeah. They need that connection to something. And if it's not someone directly in front of them, they need a, a digital version of, and I think I like also that. too, like the the big thing f- for me was to hear that somebody was doing something positive within within a methadone clinic. Because I think unfortunately, mm-hmm. it, it's there's a there, there's a huge stigma around it. There is, um, it, you know, even where I work, the people that work there like will give it a stigma. Like it it, it go it's 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 not good half the time so to hear some to hear that somebody was doing something very positive and amazing at a methadone clinic just just makes me happy <laughs> it really it, does and you know it made the it made the people happy too that's why they yeah. come back <laughs> great it's so awesome but I, I think that that just brings up the 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 idea is like people don't even realize how what much they can relate to the game like our, our yeah. book that's come out, Final Fantasy. How many people, if if you think about the game overall, like, all right, you know, you're a group of people, you destroy the evil villain. It's a big long storyline, right? Mm-hmm. But if you take a moment to think about all of the different games, they're all traumatized. Every la- every last of one of the warriors has been traumatized on some level. Yeah. They have mm-hmm. to overcome their trauma, and that that is one of the the reasons that we ended that that book with that chapter and talking about big T trauma and little T trauma and post traumatic growth, because you have to understand that these things are interconnected, and if you are able to to show how they're interconnected in this very powerful manner that it just takes on a whole different life of itself. So true. It is very true. Uh, to, to go into the gaming top, uh, since having my, my son, I haven't been able to play a lot of games on my PC. So I've been kind of dusting off my PS4 and I'm finally getting around to play Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'm at like 34 hours in <laughs> and about <laughs> three quarters of the game through. And it, it just, it takes me back to 1996. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were talking about With it last night. And, and the game is, the I don't know if anyone has played the, the remake of Final Fantasy VII, and they've just done such a masterful job, and I can't wait for the other parts, of taking what was already there and making it even bigger. Making it even more special, and that you just you feel for these characters certainly after the sector seven plate drops and you see the aftermath and not just with the NPCs, but within your own characters with, with Barrett and with Tifa just living these, well, this, this trauma, this loss Mm -hmm. and this guilt as well of them trying to do good and what they've been trying to do has killed thousands. Shinra, man. Yeah. <laughs> Shinra. Shinra. Always Shinra. But again, but again it, it's taking me back to, to the late 90s of playing Final Fantasy VII, and it, it it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't played it yet. Did they leave Heidegger in there yet? Uh, Yeah, he's there. Good. We have a whole chapter on it. Because <laughs> the, the, the first game, so if you remember uh, Final Fantasy VII back in the old game, 
you had the three discs. So the first game right now is pretty much Midgar, just expanded. What you would do in like six hours-ish? You, you, in Final Fantasy, the, the original one, six to maybe 15 hours, you would play Midgar, and then you would leave and go do other stuff. I'm 34 hours, and I'm not even close. I'm in chapter 14 out of 18. <laughs> so it's going to be a 50-plus hour game, and it's going to layer it on top of each other. Yeah, it's it's absolutely amazing what we can what we can learn from this stuff and keep on keep on going. And then like the, the nostalgia, the memories that you're even talking about of thrusting you back to a childhood uh, state. Then you can also work with that from a psychoanalytics point of view as mm-hmm. well, very very quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, so I've been playing Final Fantasy VII. What else? <laughs> what has everyone else been playing? <laughs> Fall Guys? <laughs> <laughs> I've been hearing fun. good things. It's fun. Uh, a game that just kind of hit the scenes and had just instantaneous, overwhelming success. Like that. I don't think they've been able to keep the servers up for 24 hours since it launched. Well, it, it was free this month on PlayStation, PlayStation. Plus. Is this, is this us jumping into game, gaming news? Is this how we let's, segue well, Let's use it. That's a segue. We're going to segue <laughs> into it. It's a segue. About that was weird professionals. We're going <laughs> to zip right in. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, rise of Fall Guys. Rise of Fall Guys. Yeah, and I never do these things in the right order, Joe. <laughs> oh, That's why I put just TBA on it. You know, <laughs> let you figure it out. No, I'm God. <laughs> <laughs> what was it last podcast after we all hopped off uh, everyone was talking about Fall Guys what the heck I you know, 20 bucks put it on you know went and got it on Steam and we just played and it was just dumb fun like yeah. there's yeah. pay to win there's no like there's microtransactions in it that are reasonable they're cosmetic you mm-hmm. can your guy look silly but the game itself it's just it's up to 60 beans, you know, jelly beans running for their lives to try to hit the finish line before everyone else. You know, and I kind of tying it back into the, the conversation we were having before, like Fall Guys is a pretty great game to play with. I, I know you, you can't do, there's no couch co-op yet, but like sit on the couch and just passing the controller back and forth. Like if you're, if you're a teenager being able to hand the controller like over to your mom or dad, you know, it is that it is that kind of game. It's an easy game to pick up. There's two buttons. Like it, it's, it is that silly fun, but it, it is good for like that. Um, see, not all video games are about shooting the other person. This is just about getting through an obstacle course. You know, well, it's, and it's super fun to watch. They already had people <laughs> that down in a hurry. Like I was, I was shocked. It was like. It, Again, a, a company having trouble keeping servers online, they got a sniff at people cheating and flying through the levels and went, nope, that's gone. Because so. there's, there's no reason. What are you cheating at this game for? Like, I'm, I'm going to get really just like, what are we doing? <laughs> Let's not get triggered. All right. <laughs> <laughs> when we were the other night, there was someone standing at the finish line and literally grabbing people to keep them from crossing the finish yeah. line. Like, what? Okay, dude. <laughs> 
I can, I can kind of forgive that because it's at least a game mechanic. Right. But the fact that people are putting like, you know, being able to just zoom right to the le- right through the level and bypass everything. Like, come on. What are you getting out of this? <laughs> I don't want to get mean, but like, what are we doing here? It's a fun game. <laughs> Respect to proper trolling. Right. Respect to Respect. proper trolling. <laughs> Troll the way the game intended. Right. <laughs> right. Right. I love it when the guy is at the end, like, doing the little dance emote, like, yeah, I made it. And One of 38. <laughs> and some guy yeah. runs by and they get kicked out, you know, because they were too busy dancing. Yeah. No, <laughs> no it's a fun game. It's very colorful, too. And it, it doesn't take, I love the games that don't overcomplicate things. I, yeah. We, you know, uh, the four of us collectively play Destiny, and it's one of those, uh, MMORPG large games where you have inventory. Yeah, inventory, this role, that role. And it gets really in depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where, you, button on your controller and then combinations thereof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you got games like Fall Guys and like Senua's Sacrifice with Hellblade, where you don't change your outfit, you don't change your weapon. You don't even pull. You can't even pull your weapon out until the mechanic pulls it out for you when you need it. And Fall Guys, it doesn't overcomplicate it, and it's a fun game just to like, just kind of unplug and just have fun. And it's so much fun with other people too, because mm-hmm. games are supposed to be fun, Thank unless you. it's Dark Souls. That's, <laughs> that's just punishment. Yeah, that's it is. Punishment. You're just beating your head against the wall. That's yeah. a different. That's a different type of fun. That's if you want to buy three more $60 controllers because you threw them against the wall fun. <laughs> <laughs> I had a client who who once uh, beat Dark Souls really, really fast. Don't ask me how he did it. Um, I still don't know. And he went and bought the, the ring, which made the bosses and, and all the, everything hit you like 33% harder. And he, oh then, like, he challenged himself to go forward. In, into that one it took him a lot longer to beat the game but he did do it you see but that's that i like that right that's a personal quest almost mm-hmm. i like that it's you versus the game yeah right, it's like it's learning mechanics and recognizing patterns yeah mm-hmm. it was amazing amazing kid so he would calculate his his grade uh, what he'd have to do in, in each of his uh, courses just to get an a and then he just wouldn't do any more work past that <laughs> <laughs> on a professional level That's i would impressive. you know yeah on, on a professional level i'd have a conversation with him like you mm-hmm. know just because we have to but on a personal level like good for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> like you go kid yeah <laughs> Talking about you against that that game, yeah, I was talking to Joe last night uh, within Final Fantasy VII. Going back to the old mini games, I was doing the pull up competition. It was just kicking my butt, <laughs> <laughs> and it, I was doing it was like an hour just trying to get that damn button combination. At least an hour, and I was <laughs> shocked he was still doing it. That's dedication. And, and I, I finally yeah. got it maybe like 15, 15 minutes after we we finished talking because I was able to, to calm the baby. And it was just that most satisfying moment of it is done. I never need to do this ever again. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a true story. The seven trials wins. 
<laughs> oh god, I, I don't know if I'm ever gonna get those trials wins. <laughs> I don't even try. <laughs> so I've come close, just never the seven. The other thing on our list is uh, apparently the app stores are having some issues with Fortnite and Epic. Uh, Apple or has Epic is having the problem with the app stores. <laughs> well, they got rid of it. Like Epic. <laughs> The Epic, what was it, the Epic Launcher or just Fortnite in general off their platform? So the App Store and Google Play got rid of Fortnite in their in their stores. And I so, believe Epic is now suing, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So delving more into this story, because a lot more has been kind of coming up. So the way it came about is um, the App Store. So the, the Apple App Store takes a 30% cut. Of all in of all in app purchases, so it's mm. kind of running servers and it, making money and it, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Epic didn't like that, so they implemented a way to circumvent the the App Store thirty percent and discount the the V bucks. So a thousand V bucks would cost you nine ninety nine through the app stores. Or cost you seven ninety nine if you go through this new route that they implemented, that is not under TOS. Mm-hmm. Right. So save a earn earn an extra buck and screw over Apple in the process. Yeah. So what will happen is Apple kind of got wind of that and it, it was vetted. It was nothing. So they pulled the app. As soon as they pulled the app. Epic launched a video and a lawsuit. So this, to put this out so quick, it, it was orchestrated. They were baiting them into a lawsuit. Yeah. I mean, say what you want about the the Apple ecosystem and, and Google's not much better themselves, but I, I think we had this conversation last week with the, uh, the xCloud um, mm-hmm. yeah. thing not coming to Apple. Similar circumstances with the monetization of the system and they're they're just real restrictive. So <sighs> Epic has got the they've got the money in the clout to kind of take that take that head on. Because mm-hmm. the way because uh, Microsoft and um, Sony take a cut of all of the V Bucks that are purchased through the stores. But they're not as big as as Apple or, or Google. So right. They're, they're kind of taking that aspect because it's games versus the entire ecosystem for right. all developers. Mm. Yeah, this, and, and they released the, the 1984 ad. It's a big win for the gaming industry on the mobile platform. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm kind of on the fence of, well, they kind of went against TOS, but I understand not wanting to give the 30% cut. But it's it's delicate. Yeah, I I don't know. Thirty percent is pretty it's a lot, all things considered. Yeah, it is a lot. I'd be curious to know how much they're actually getting from mobile, though. Like, I get it. I know it's a big market. Well, just off of Apple, they they've pulled it off a billion, so a billion with a B devices. Okay. Ouch! That that zest on <laughs> yeah. on iOS. It's a billion users taken away. 
But do you think they actually lost a user or was that a secondary device for the good majority? I'm guessing it's secondary or tertiary. Right? Yeah. So again, they didn't they didn't really lose. Oh, okay, you can't play it on the subway, you know, unless you bring your Switch now. Yeah. Right. There's so many other ways of accessing Fortnite that, I, I mean, again, they're in the perfect position to make this fight and not really, they're, they're, they're not losing. Even if they, you know, if Apple says you're perma banned off the platform, they're not losing. They're they're not going anywhere. Fortnite. I mean, Fort, The only the only game that can kill Fortnite is Fortnite. I remember mm-hmm. saying that about Destiny, and it's yeah. it, it is true. Well, Fortnite's Whoa. still in beta. Yep. Oh, they It'll just got forever. rid of it. They they no. did. I think they did. I think they just got rid of that beta tag. They're of, <laughs> they're officially launched. <laughs> well, and see. And maybe- that might have some more to do with the situation because I know, again, the xCloud thing, they were allowed to be on iPhone because they were considered a beta and you had to go through their side platform. Um, and beta has oh. a little less restrictions, which is, and, and Fortnite was exploiting that with, uh, with, the, with the consoles because you can push updates faster because they don't have to be certified because you're a beta. Um, same thing with the PC platforms, and then you get away with some some stuff in the marketplace because you're a beta. So maybe that ties into it somewhere. There's always, there's always where there's a will, there's a way. Yep. They found that one little crack to get through. But hey, you know what? Good for them for yeah, that. Because just for fun, I, I looked it up. Because the the whole thing behind Epic's lawsuit is they're going against that thirty percent cut that Apple is taking and a lot of the other app stores are taking because it's hurting their bottom line for a company that has made $4.2 billion in profit last year. It's like Epic, Uh, Apple, Epic. Okay. They they made $4.2 billion in profits. And that's mostly off Fortnite. I'm presuming I'm guessing it's about 90% off of (laughs) Fortnite has to be. Because Fortnite skins are egregiously overpriced, like twenty bucks for a skin. You know whose skins aren't that expensive? Fall guys. I knew he was about to say that. (laughs) (laughs) At least it wasn't Animal Crossing. (laughs) No, I did my Animal Crossing reference for the the podcast. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know. But you couldn't get mad because I used it clinically. You're right. <laughs> it's every episode. It passes. It passes. You're right. Right. It's got a just a little nudge. It's never gonna go away. <laughs> never. No. It, it won't. It just keep it. Keep it going. We'll Till sign the, off the podcast. It'll be like Animal Crossing, and just to get it in, like if. Till, till the day you tell me, like, Matt, you're no longer part of the podcast. <laughs> you'll going. keep making Animal Crossing keep, references. We will He's keep just going to show up in the Crossing. chat room and say Animal Crossing. <laughs> yeah. He's going to show up to the stream. It's true. Yeah. 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 I could see that. Or then you'll just see him just drop off the call. Like, oh, we lost Matt. I don't know what happened. <laughs> no, but uh, Apple's not making any friends right now, uh, especially with. Uh, they just announced too that they're going to be kind of charging for uh, their platform now, aren't they? For like the iTunes platform? Uh, not that I heard of. There was really? something. There was something in the news about that. I got to look it up now. 
because there's one thing that differentiated uh, Mac OS versus Windows is Mac OS was free. And yeah. it's been free for, for years. Right. Windows just but, recently adopted that same mentality. Yeah. You buy it and then you have it. Yeah, because one thing a lot of people, when you were building PCs, is, oh, I can build this kick-ass gaming PC for two grand. Yeah, but did you factor in Windows? <laughs> mm-hmm. Expensive it is. Because Windows was like, what? At, at one point, it was like 300 bucks yeah. for a key. The base off hundred twenty nine, and then you could get the full Pro Edition for somewhere in the 300s. It, it was quite expensive. Yep. No, I just I and I heard this on some other some other piece of media. It was uh, you know, Apple used to be the company that, you know, come to come to iTunes and you can get that song for cheap and we won't put any restrictions on it. And right, they were they were the, the guys that were fighting the music industry and fighting for yeah. by giving them a platform to dis- distribute. And so you know, they say if you live long enough you you, you become the thing that you hate. Yeah, you, you you see yourself become the villain. Yeah. Well, right now they're they're not making any new friends with Intel as well because they announced that the, by twenty twenty two, I think, or no more Intel. There, everything. No more going. Intel on on any Apple device, which is huge. That <sighs> would just be uh, printed on the bottom of the monitor holder or whatnot. That's $900. Yeah, because they're they're making their own chips, but now Intel's losing market share quickly because my PC's running AMD. (laughs) Right. What else we got in the news? We'll sit here and talk about Apple half the night. I know that. (laughs) I think that is all we have at the moment, unless someone else has anything off the top of their heads. The only other gaming news I can think of was last week was the first uh, beta for Avengers. Yeah, a lot of people saying really good quirks and kind of things to be smoothed out. But all in all, I've been hearing relatively good things. I'm excited. I can say that much. Yeah, there were no Sony real complaints about the gameplay. I guess all the all the complaints about it were like texture pop ins or. Optimization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In time, you drop down to like five frames in one particular scene. Yeah, the snow level apparently usually just dropped frames like crazy. But Sony had to be Sony and make Spider-Man exclusive to the PS4. Oh, another evil giant. <laughs> well. I'm still waiting for the prices to drop on consoles. That's going to be fun. Yes. <laughs> waiting for that's that. Not, that's not happening with COVID. No. Man. No way. Because I was all set up going getting Avengers on PC, and now I have this dilemma of, well, I want to play with Spider-Man on, on the <laughs> Avengers game. I know. It's ridiculous. <sighs> and we don't know if it's a time exclusive or if it's a full exclusive. Ugh. And Sony has, the, has those rights. They're probably just going to keep that. I think so. Oh. Well, they're, they're banking on the new Miles Morales game as well. Mm-hmm. Heavily. Wouldn't bank on that. I mean, gosh, that thing got a huge reaction mm-hmm. just being shown. But I was, I was very excited. I'm going to hold you guys right there because we could go on all night talking about gaming chat, but I'm going to have to edit this. So 
How about we start wrapping things up a little bit? <laughs> it sure. is two degrees in my bedroom. Not my bedroom, my office here. Two? Ooh. 92. Oh. You are melting, my friend. <laughs> yeah. You need to get one of those cubes that me and Joe have. That's right. Even though mine's off right now. Uh, the, mine's actually running in the background. I don't know if you can hear it. <laughs> Usually not an issue. Like I said, it died today. And at, halfway through the uh, the caster, I'm like I'm chatting with the wife going, put in a service call. Put in a freaking service call. <laughs> <laughs> so service call has been made. Oh, thank God that the thing's under home warranty. Oh, but, there you go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, out. how many days is it going to take to get someone out here, though? Is that's the big issue, especially during like heat waves like that when it's warm out, everybody's calling. But uh, Dr. Bean, thank you again so much for coming on with us and chatting. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to wrap us up because uh, we'll go on forever. No, oh, absolutely. Uh, and I don't want anybody to turn into a pumpkin because uh, we are running a little late and. Uh, Again, thank you for the discussion coming on with us, and we really hope to connect with you uh, uh, very soon for some other things, and we look mm-hmm. forward to everything coming. Uh, why don't you give us, a uh, everybody, a brief uh, shout-out where, where people can find you, more about the uh, nonprofit, and uh, your uh, general social social links links. Links, links. I love it. Um, it's like Fall Guys. No, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, yeah, they can find me on Twitter at uh, Video Game Doc. They, they email me Anthony M B and PhD at gmail.com. I, I run Leyline Education, which is just GeekTherapyTraining.com. Or have a Facebook group. We have a Facebook page. Just search for the Geek Training, and you'll you'll figure out where where we are and all that stuff match the logos you'll you'll find us pretty quick um the tls project is the nonprofit i work for we have tons of of cool stuff that we're always doing down there for for the community and we continue to push through during COVID season and then if anyone wants any of the the books that we're doing um they're they're all on amazon we've got psych of zelda we have psych of final fantasy comes out uh, 31st this month we have the video, other video gamer guide that you guys have been plastering everywhere. And then we also have our Geek Therapy uh, book coming out, The Clinician's Guide to Using uh, Geek Culture, which is uh, has Ooh. a lot of the, the the heads of like their their fields and stuff uh, talking about a lot of different cool stuff. That's awesome. Going to have to get on the mailing list for that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. You can sign up on our website. <laughs> Trust Done. me, the mailing list has been exploding over the last four or five months. I believe it. <laughs> That's great. And uh, thank you again for uh, coming on with us. And we hope you'll come on again in the future. Absolutely. Uh, anytime you guys want me, I'm happy to arrange it in my schedule. Just not would on a D&D night. Would you want to play? Would you sure. be interested in playing D&D with us, though? That depends on the time, day, and all that stuff. Because to convince my my wife and when we have two kids, small kids, to even give me every other week was a three week fight. We we pull um, it off once a month. So yeah, we're a once, once a month, month game for like three hours on a Saturday, <laughs> at, well after the kids go to sleep. <laughs> so we'll I, be in touch with that. We, you, you, be in touch with me. Uh, sure. yeah, as long as you guys don't mind, because I'm playing a, a chaotic neutral warlock right now, and it's, they, 
these things just can't kill me. It's really hilarious um, because of uh, my packed moon. Uh, Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And, uh, yeah, so I'll probably go Paladin next time just so you know <laughs> nothing can hit me. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> That's awesome. You can also find more of us. Uh, we're Guardians Mental Health. You can follow us on Twitter. You can also find us and follow us for our live recordings on Twitch. We do that uh, every episode. And if you have any questions, concerns, if you need help, shout to us on our email support at guardiansmh.org. For the podcast, you can listen to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And thank you for listening. And we will catch you next time. Thank you. Good night, everyone. Good night. Bye. Bye. Animal Crossing. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't do it this time. It wasn't me. I didn't do it. (laughs) Don't yell at me.